0: This is this is tape number 24 of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his message is faith and looking into your future. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and it reads as follows. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Faith and Looking Into Your Future, message number 24 of the series, Faith. From heaven to earth.
1: Now, let me read to you from uh, the, um, uh, what the Bible, who the Bible calls the father of faith. Let me read to you about Abraham, starting with the eighth verse. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, now let's stop with that word. We're going to talk our way through the scripture, by the way. When he was called, Please know that faith is not about human choice. Faith is about being called. Faith is not about what is a good idea, what is your own solution and pursuing it to the end. Faith is about responding to something that came from beyond you, the voice of God when he was called. It's interesting to me that even the most radical Arminians, Arminians are folks that, that uh, kind of emphasize the, the human uh, side of uh, faith, um, um, are now entertaining <laughs> the whole question of the sovereignty of God more and more. United Methodist Church, I just read in the Associated Press, uh, is now uh, including in its baptismal language, uh, language that would say, this is not about human choice, this is about God's call. And that's, that's so true, that is so good. We are called by God this faith business is not our own idea. Answering, uh, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. <laughs> How many of you does that describe your faith journey? You you have no idea where you're going. You got this thing dragging you around by the chest. You know God's calling you. You have no idea where it is, what you're to look for. You see. God gives the desire. He doesn't always give the details. As a matter of fact, He seldom gives the details. Now, in many times in God's uh, uh, economy there have been miracles. All throughout the Bible there are miracles. And miracles are wonderful works of God's grace. But miracles are not vehicles of lasting faith. Many people respond to miracles, but they don't keep the faith. No, faith is something that you don't know about, but you go toward, anyhow, trusting God. Not trusting in what he's done. Not trusting in what he said, but trusting in a general open promise. By faith, Abraham believed God. It doesn't say he believed a miracle. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't say he believed the details of the direction. It says he believed God. Faith is a response to God. And you don't always have the details. As a matter of fact, you seldom have it. And you don't often have evidence. You just believe it and you start walking in that direction. That's what Abraham did. Not knowing where he was going, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. As you grow in the faith, do you feel more and more like an alien in this world? Well, I do. I just don't even fit. I mean, it's just uh, the, the things I hear, the things I watch, the thing, I just seem, they seem odd. I mean, it, it used to seem awful. Now it just seems odd. Uh, I just, it's just strange stuff. And that's what will happen to you. Uh, as you grow in the faith, it's not that you will be less loving. It's not that you will be more condemning. There is, you know, this is not the job of a Christian to condemn because the job of a Christian to love, but but it's just odd. Well, Becky teaches a confirmation class, and and uh, she said last Sunday uh, she thought it would she just sensed it would be a good idea to to let the kids stand up and give the rest of the class their testimony. Anybody who wanted to, and she said usually one or two uh, stand up and do that. She said this particular day every kid in there but two stood up and gave a testimony to the rest of the class. And she said Hunter. It was very interesting to note the recurring theme in the, in, the, in the testimonies of those middle schoolers. Practically every one of them felt completely out of place at school. They felt like they were the only Christians. They felt isolated. They felt alien. They felt like they were different than, than any, anybody else. And, and I said, being odd is not odd for a Christian. Feeling odd, feeling alien is not... We're stranger and alien. You know, the, the, the world is a is a place that God's given us to be for a while, a place that God's given us to contribute for a while. But this isn't our home. This is not what, this is not what we were made for. So, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had that same promise and had that same, same sense of... Even though they were dwelling, you know, quite kind of in the promised land, it wasn't really the promised land. Um For he was looking for the city. The the, the Greek word here is polis or pollen. And And it means much more than just a geographical congregation of people. It means much more than just being inside four walls. A city is a place of community. A place of belonging. A city in scripture is that for which you have been made and of that to which you belong, not just that which belongs to you. Now, we'll cover a little bit more of that a little later on. He was looking for a city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. In other words, he says here, it's just as real as any geographical material city you've ever seen. It has foundations, it has an architect, it has a builder. Verse 13. All these died in faith. Now, the Greek here is piston, and it it means, kata means in accordance with. And this is is the gist of what I want you to get in the sermon today. These people aligned their lives with that vision of the heavenly city. Uh, They lived in accordance with. They lived in accordance to what they had seen for their future. You know, I would say if there's any source of impoverishment for Christians today, it is not being able to see beyond the borders of this world. We were not made for this world. We we have this little speck of time down here. Little bitty speck of time. Yet that's where 99% of our attention goes. Let me ask you this. How often during your day do you think of heaven? How often during your week do you think of how it's going to be to live in heaven? What your life is going to be like in heaven? How often during your week do you align your life right now with how you're going to live in heaven? If you don't do that very often, you're focusing on the wrong point. The point is heaven. Living in accordance with that vision, that faith, that promise. No matter how much of that we get down here. Now read on with me. All these died in faith while they were walking in accordance or according to with the promise. Without receiving the promises. But having seen them and welcomed them from a distance. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed... If they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. I want to focus on that word desire for a moment. I want you to know that most people have made the total sum of their Christianity a drive for holiness. And that is not a bad thing. Holiness is a good thing. We're going to preach an entire year on holiness. But the difference between the walk of faith and the life of holiness is this. Holiness usually means a separation from. You are going away from something in order to be pure. Faith always means a going toward something. A being pulled toward something. Faith is a totally positive thing. Faith means that you have something in your heart that you don't understand that drives you on. Some attraction towards something. Some vision in the heart you haven't seen with your eyes. Rudyard Kipling once wrote a poem called The Explorer. And in that poem, the writer of the poem first hears the voice of people back in the old uh, uh, pioneer days. And then he hears the whisper of God. There's no sense in going further. It's the edge of cultivation. So they said, and I believed them, broke my ground and sowed my crop, built my barns and strung my fences at the little border station, tucked away below the foothills where the trails run out and stop. Till a voice as bad as conscience rang interminable ranges on one everlasting whisper day and night repeated so something hidden go and find it (laughs) go and look behind the ranges something lost behind the ranges lost and waiting for you go that's the sense of faith there's something out there that we've been made for that will not be satisfied with anything else many people feel this sense of want this sense of restlessness this great desire and they try to answer it and satisfy it through inadequate means they change relationships only to find that wasn't really the itch. They changed jobs, only to find that wasn't really the desire. They changed management. They changed administrations and politically, only to find that wasn't really the problem. The problem is that we were made for heaven. We'll never be satisfied till we get there. We'll never be satisfied until we find that place full of love and light. That's what we were made for. Now let me ask you this again. Who of you, knowing that as Christians, make that your major focus? That city. Look at what it says. One more time. It says... But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. How often in your week do you identify as a citizen of heaven? Do you identify yourself, your life, who you are, as someone who is going to live a perfect life? And therefore, they ought to start aligning with themselves with that right now. Let me just ask you a few questions. How many of you have illnesses right now or physical impediments? I hear everybody coughing and hacking. So am I, you know. Coughing and hacking, you know. Got this cold. People say, how are you? I got a cold. (laughs) Got a cold. You know, I'm the person with the cold, you know. Some of you have very serious physical impediments right now. Some of you, some of you uh, have been sick for a long time and have very serious physical challenges. Let me ask you, how do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as a sick person? Do you think of yourself primarily as someone who has a physical deficiency? Now let me ask you this. Do you think you'll have that in heaven? <laughs> The answer is, no. Do you think you will be perfectly well in heaven? Do you think you'll ever have any kind of illness again? You see, that's who you are for an eternity. Why would you identify yourself? Even if you have a temporary illness, why would you identify yourself with someone who's not healthy down here? Your identity is health. You are to think of yourself as healthy. You are to say that's who I'm going to be for an eternity and that's who I'll be right now and I may have this little physical temporary impediment right now. See? We're not Christian scientists. We don't believe that sickness is an illusion. But we do not believe that you say, I am sick, therefore I am a sick person. No. You have a little physical problem right now, but for all eternity you're going to be healthy and you need to start thinking healthy. Don't think sick. Do whatever you can. Push whatever limits you can to walk in health. Some of you think of yourself as poor people just because you haven't got enough money. You think you're going to be poor in heaven. <laughs> you think you're going to want you to, to go borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor, you know. Come on. God's going to give you more than you could ever ask or think. He's giving it to you right now. And some of you are in a very real financial bind right now, and it has started to weigh on your mind, and you have started to conform yourself to the thinking of the world, and you have started to say, I'm broke. No, you're not. There's just a temporary absence of a little money here. That's not the same thing as being poor. Don't think of yourself as a poor person. You have all the wealth of heaven. That's how you're going to live for an eternity. That is your inheritance. Do you think before you get your full inheritance that you don't really have it? You're a wealthy person. Think of yourself as a wealthy person. As having all of your needs met. Because they are all met in Christ. Don't have this poor mentality. Some of you feel isolated and alone. And you think, I haven't got any friends. Nobody really knows me or how I think. And so you start to think, I am alone. I am virtually alone in this world. Do you think you're going to be alone in heaven? Do you think everybody's not going to know your name? Do you think you're not going to have a community up there that envelops you and loves you and surrounds you? Do you know that's your inheritance? Don't think of yourself... As a loner now, you're not a loner. You're a community person right now. You have a family right now. You've got to start thinking of yourself as someone who belongs because you do. In Jesus Christ, we belong to one another in the deepest, most eternal sense. We are connected with one another. And you may be going through a lonely time right now, but you are not alone. Don't think of yourself like that. I could go all day. Some of you live in fear of the next bad thing that's going to happen. This is perverted uh, 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 logic. But I've had people say, you might as well be a pessimist because then you won't be surprised at anything bad that happens and you'll be pleasantly surprised if anything good happens. Now that sounds logical. It's a terrible way to live. Who wants to be a pessimist every day just in case something good might happen and they may be happy just for a moment? Good heavens! Many of us have been trained that if any bad thing can happen, it's going to happen. That all the world's falling apart and we're all going to hell in a handbasket and we've been trained just to think in the most negative terms. You watch the news every night, and that's what you're going to come out thinking. It's horrible to live in this world. Listen. How do you think of yourself? Are you, are you afraid that the next bad thing that comes along is going to hop on you? Sometimes good things happen to you. So oh, I can't get too happy because now the other shoe's going to, you know, something bad's going to happen now because something good happened, see? There's been so much good happened to me that bad stuff has to be coming, you know? People think like that. It's weird, you know? Or bad things happen, you know. Say, well, you think this is bad? Something worse is going to happen. I know it is. The other shoe is going to fall. You know? It's weird. We've got this little earthly mentality where we're so suspicious and fearful. And and all... I mean, those of us with much faith and who walk in faith even, that creeps into us. Let me tell you a story that happened to me this week. I was... uh, Some of you know that... that, uh, uh, You know, three or four days a week I like to carve out a little hour in the middle of the day to go run because it's fun. And so... Uh, Thursday, I carved out an hour, you know, and I went back to, uh, to the apartment. I live in an apartment. And my, my custom is um, to go and, and change, and I'll run for about a half an hour, and then I go down to the, to the apartment pool and, and just cool off for about 15 or 20 minutes, you know? Do the reptile thing. Lay out in the sun, you know? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, Thursday, you remember, it was cold. It was great for running, you know? Went down to the pool. Nobody was there because it's so cold. And I'm laying that there in the sun, just just loving life, you know. And I hear this off in the distance. Meow. Now, some of you who know me know I don't like cats. (laughs) I know. I don't like cats. And I started thinking I don't like cats, you know, when I heard that sound. Now, please, the reason I don't like cats is because you have to be a very secure person to like cats. You have to be very confident to like cats. Because, you know, dogs, dogs are made for insecure people. You walk in a room a dog will go, Hey, man, good to see you. You're the most important thing in the world. My life wasn't complete until you came in here, you know. I mean, dogs really, you know, dogs love you, boy. They just make you feel great, you know. You walk into a room with a cat and you get this. I see you're in my room. <laughs> I may get back to you. I may not. You know? You've got to be a very confident person to like cats. See? So, I'm laying there, i think I don't like cats. You know? And I hear it again, it's a little closer. Meow! And this, this thought enters my mind, I, I wonder if that cat can swim. <laughs> Well, I'm laying there, you know, minding my own business, and it wasn't five seconds later, I feel this. There. This thing had hopped up on me, standing on my stomach, looking at me. Now, I've got to tell you my first thought. I've seen enough scary movies to know that the devil can turn himself into a cat. I've seen those movies, you know. And so I just look at this cat. You know, when nobody's around, you talk to animals. You ever notice that? Yeah, nobody's around. They don't think you. just talk to animals. You know, I just looked at him, said, uh, "I don't like cats." Just looked right at him, thinking maybe the devil's in there. You know, I don't like cats. I like dogs. Don't like cats. Don't like you. Go away. You know. And this cat just looked at me. And then he did this. He took his head, I had my hands up, like it, took his head and started nudging my hands. Well, I thought, eh, maybe it's not the devil, maybe it's a plain old cat, you know, so... So I rubbed his head, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it, but I don't like cats, you know. Well, anyway, I hopped down, you know, and, uh, and that was the end of the story, and then the next day I got, a, got an hour, you know. Well, I'm in a hurry, I'm going running, you know, got got down here and I'm, I'm really pressed for time but I'm going to try this anyhow go down to the pool to relax for 15 minutes you ever try to relax fast? it's the only time I have all day you know and I really want to pack in the most relaxation you know I'm going to relax 15 minutes this is an American relaxation here so I'm going down there and I'm laying there and I look off to my left and here comes the devil cat again only this time it's doing this you ever seen a cat do this? It's coming at me. It's just coming at me. And it gets right about about three feet from me and just, steps like, just stops like that and starts looking at me. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not going to let this disturb my rest.
0: <laughs> it's
1: disturbing. I'm thinking, when's the thing going to pounce? It pounced on me yesterday. It's pouncing on me today. When's it going to pounce? You know? I laid there for 10 minutes in absolute agony. I was sweating, you know. I was thinking, if you're going to pounce, do the thing, you know. Looked over at it a little while later. He wasn't even in pouncing position. He was licking himself now. I'm thinking to myself, oh, great. He's working up a big furball to cough on me. You know? Well, the reason I tell you this silly story is because that's how most people think. They think, you know, man, this thing's going to... How many of you live your life thinking something from the devil's going to pounce on me at any minute? You know, I, I, it's just a matter of time. Here it comes. You know, that's not living according to heaven. That's not being able to relax. That's not being able to rest in Christ. Our job is to expect, watch, expect the future to invade the present. Our job is to know that God is retrofitting us for a life in heaven. Our job is to know. That the good things that come to us are from the Lord. All good things come from the Lord. And the bad things are just little temporary things that we're going to just get over. You know? Because that's not who we are. We are the people of heaven. Let me tell you one more story. What? I can't even see the clock anymore. Okay. I <laughs> have to get glasses on easy. I read in this guidepost. anybody get guideposts? It's such a neat thing. It's a Little inspirational stuff, you know. And uh, and uh, 1949, Christmas Eve. A lady and her husband own a general uh, uh, appliance store. And and <coughs> some of you are old enough to remember these general appliance stores stocked everything. You know, washers and dryers, bicycles, toys, everything, baseball mitts, everything. You know, and uh, Christmas Eve, and and uh, and stores back then didn't stock a lot of inventory they couldn't but uh uh this couple's looking around and and they've so, sold all their toys uh got all got rid of all their layaway stuff remember when they used to have layaway for there were credit cards you know put somebody uh, all, rid of all of it, except for this one package and somebody had put a dollar down to reserve this one package and the, and the lady who's looking at it doesn't know what it, was, what it was it was something her husband had put up there they hated to close the store before they got rid of that package, because it may have been a Christmas present for somebody, but it got real late, and and the person obviously wasn't coming, and so they closed the store. Christmas morning, they get up. There's the, there is the mom and the dad and the 12 year old uh, son, and she says she writes in the story, Christmas had become uh, pretty humdrum, because the 12 year old was at an age where he wanted to go spend time with his friends, you know, and was was past all the big excitement stuff, and and. Uh, you know, so they open all their, all their gifts. And by 9 o'clock, you know, uh, the kid's over at the friend's house. The husband looks at her. <laughs> don't do this, man. Well, there's nothing much to stay up for. I think I'll go back to bed. Um, and so there she is alone, you know. She looks out the window. And um, it's just, you know, sleeting mixed with snow, you know, the ice. Remember that ice on the sidewalks? And she thinks to herself, how glad I am. I don't have to go out in this. She no sooner had said that to herself than she felt this desire to go down to the store. It was an actual pull. And she said to herself, logically, this is stupid. This is really dumb. You know, I don't want to go out in this. Why in the world would I? Nobody opens their store on Christmas. Why would I go down to the store? She battled this for an hour. And finally she said, I got to go. Went in the bedroom, started getting all her galoshes and, you know, her coat on. And husband wakes up, what are you doing, you know? to go down to the store. So said, what for? I don't know. He said, well, I think it's dumb. Rolls over and goes back to sleep. She goes down to the store and she got, uh, you know, about a half a block from the opening of her store. And she sees these two little black kids right in, huddled in the doorway. You know how stores used to go in, huddled in the doorway freezing to death the younger one the six year old crying sobbing because he's so cold and the little nine year old trying to shelter him you know she goes up to him and, and, and the, the nine year old turns around she, he says there she is I told you she'd come she looks at him she says boys what are you doing out in this kind of weather they didn't have any hats gloves you know their, their shoes just barely holding together she rushes him in she starts rubbing her hands over the furnace you know and she said, what in the world are you doing out there? And the older brother uh, spoke up. He said, my brother Jimmy didn't have any Christmas. And so I have been saving up money. And I finally got this $3. And I want to buy him a pair of ice skates. You know? And he, he says, look, Miss Lady. And, and, and pulls out this $3. And, and the, the, the store owner is just all oh, apologizing. She said, honey, I'm sorry. We sold out of all our toys. There's nothing left on the shelves. She starts looking around. She spots this one package that's been left there. And she thought, I'll give it a shot. She prays on her way to that package. Oh, God, let this be skates. You know? She opens it up. It's skates. Then she goes into her second prayer. Oh, God, let them fit Jimmy. (laughs) They put them on Jimmy. And Jimmy's eyes just lit up. They fit perfectly. So the older brother says, Okay, here's your money. And the lady says, I don't want your... You buy yourself hat and gloves, you know, and and get right home because you're going to freeze, you know. then she looks at the boys before she sent them out and said, How did you come to be down here at 9 o'clock in the morning when you know no store opens? And the big brother says, Oh, we came down here in time for the store to open. And I knew you'd come. She said, how did you know I'd come? He said, because I just started praying. Jesus, send her down here. Nine o'clock in the morning. Now let me ask you something. Why don't we expect that? Why is our focus not on that? That's who we are. That's the presence that God has in store for us. Start believing that. Focus on heaven. Pray with me. God, thank you for our father, Abraham, who went out not knowing the details, but believing you, that you had promised him a great promised land that someday he would live in with you and with all of those who belong to you. Father, we believe the same thing. We'll walk in the same journey. It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and us. And so, Father, keep us focused on heaven. Help these little things that we do for earth to be wonderful gifts to earth. Help these little impediments we have to be necessary hurdles. But help us continue to know who we are in Christ and know where we belong in Christ and to walk toward that wonderful life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.